every Christian is going to go through this world with a lot of scars. What a Christian shouldn't go through the world with is a festering wound. Because a festering wound means you haven't forgiven. Don't let the shame get in the way of your redemptive life. You can be man God intended you to be. Did you know that 50% of our country's children, over 25 million kids under 18, are growing up without a father figure in the home? It's no coincidence that we find ourselves in a culture that's at war with men. One that says women don't need men. So today we are talking to John Smith Baker. He's the author of Man Enough to Forgive and the founder of Fathers in the Field. And he would argue differently. John believes that masculinity is a gift from God and that fathers play a crucial role in the family. So this interview is full of truth from God's word and insights that can help you heal the wounds of fatherlessness, whether the the fatherlessness wounds came from divorce, abandonment, or even if you had a father in the home that wasn't present, you're going to be able to get a lot out of this episode to help you acknowledge those wounds and to heal from them. John Smith Baker, it's so good to have you on the podcast. Thank you for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me. It's an honor and uh, appreciate uh, you helping get the word out. Absolutely. Well, we're grateful for your contributions in the field and the impact you're making on so many lives. Tell us about why you have this passion for discussing fatherlessness uh, in general, but specifically in church circles. Yeah, great question. Well, uh, you know, all glory to God, first and foremost. I mean, uh, uh, you know, we can't do anything, let alone our next breath without God. So Mm -hmm. uh, praise him. Uh, well, I was saved late in life at 40 years old, and um, when I was on my hands and knees begging for forgiveness, I saw all my fleshly sins flash before me, and, and I, I gave up those really easy, um, And uh, the, but the Lord impressed upon me. The one sin I didn't want to give up was my unforgiveness of my earthly father for abandoning me and, and the family when I was in my mom's womb. And my sister was three years old. And, uh, you know, I heard, whatever that means, I heard the Heavenly Father say, no, now you need to forgive your earthly father for leaving you. Mm. And uh, come to understand uh, the fatherless wound, these fathers, children, fatherless boys will tell themselves every time, multiple times a day that they'll never, ever forgive the earthly father for leaving. Mm -hmm. Because in their heart and their soul, they believe it's the unforgivable sin. So they suppress this unforgiveness, this wound deep down inside. And, you know, once you become a believer, you understand that forgiveness is a command and unforgiveness is a sin. So we're commanded to sin. And so God impressed upon me. So and shortly thereafter, God put on my heart to give up the corporate world and and start a ministry called Fathers in the Field. And we go through the local church. Christ died for the church. It's his bride. It's the picture of family. It's the large C church, large family. And uh, he, he, he said, listen, the greatest underutilized assets in churches are men. And even though the church is being over-feminized and men are being left behind, generally speaking, mm-hmm. and, uh, but we're able to mobilize men and put their passion, whatever God gave them of the outdoors, hunting, fishing, woodworking, sports, you name it, um, automotive stuff, but they're able then to invest in the life of fatherless boy in their community and introduce them to a heavenly father 
that will never leave or forsake. So that's so cool. Yeah. So God really obviously transformed my life, thankfully put a mission on my heart. And we're not a parachurch ministry, so we don't go around the church. We go through the church. So praise God. He put that on my heart. That's amazing. Wow. I love that. Yeah. So how long have you had this ministry now? Yeah, I was saved in 2002 and I was 40 years old. I'm 60 now. And um, praise God, been doing it for about 18 years now. I dragged my nice. feet a couple of years because I didn't want to let go of this world. <laughs> but uh, thankful he, wow. he, he, you know, made it known and no, no uncertain terms this is what I was supposed to do. And I'm I've never had more so much joy and peace and satisfaction knowing that I'm in the will of God for my life. And Beautiful. and that's the most we can really hope for in this this side of heaven. Yeah. Wow. How when you're working with um let's say a man that has that suppressed anger, forgiveness, um, how do you go about helping him give that to God? And I guess maybe a question even before that, how do you help them spot that this is work they need to do? Yeah, great question. Great insight. Well, again, uh, if we're talking about believers, because I think it's always important, right? Because mm -hmm. believers are under a different king now. They're ruled by different rules. They have yeah. to be obedient and they have to follow commands and they, they have to do things even if we don't feel like it. Yeah. So, um, that, that's just the way it is. So it's talking to believers, man enough to forgive was really written through the outcropping of the work we were doing in the church with fatherless boys. We, you know, uh, sadly, you know, fatherlessness was all around us, but pastors were coming to me and say, John, I, the impact you're having with these boys and these spiritually mature men mentoring them, mm -hmm. you're affecting both those, those lives in great great degrees. It's just awesome. Yeah. He says, but I have this whole segment of men in my church that are basically walking wounded, that they are now boys and men bodies because they've never dealt with the father wound in them. How do we help them? And, and that's really the outgrowth of man enough to forgive. And they share that the church is being overwhelmed with the fatherless issue, both women and men, mm -hmm. everything from uh, depression, suicide, divorce, mental illness, pornography, workaholicism, you name it. Yeah. So the church is being overrun with all the symptoms. And I think pastors are hopefully starting to wake up that we have to deal with the root cause. Yeah. And the root cause is fatherlessness. And it's always been that case. The devil has always tried to destroy the family, always to try, tried to destroy the roles of men and women. Mm -hmm. um, and and the curse, because of sin, has 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 had a direct collision course for men and women, and they both want each other's roles. <laughs> and uh, th that's just the sin we fight. And it's you know, as we talked on the, in the prelude a little bit, that you know the church is having having to come to grips with this. And sadly, some of these so-called churches, in my opinion, have gone woke, and and they're they're aiding and abetting. Satan's plan to destroy men, women, family, and the roles God ordained. How so? Talk a little bit more about That's what good. that looks like in a woke church. Yeah. yeah. Well, starting at the base, sadly, churches aren't understanding that for men, for boys to fulfill 
the God-ordained roles as pastor, provider, and protector, the man has to be in the home. Hmm. So the church has experienced over 50% divorce in the church, Yeah, sadly. Yep. So half the children are fatherless, even though the church won't call them fatherless because they're afraid to offend half their congregants. But who's advocating for these children? Mm. They're walking wounded. And when the church or the populace or our nation or their parents pretend that they don't have a father wound because of divorce, all, the do, all they're doing is pushing that, that father wound deeper down inside them and creating more havoc down the road. Guys, the Eros tour has begun. People are calling it a tour and we liked it, so we're rolling with it now. <laughs> so the first stop on the Eros tour was in Indianapolis where hundreds of couples came together. It was beautiful. They were working on creating a more passionate and intimate marriage. Really the kind of marriage that God intends for all of us to experience. Y'all listen to what Whitney had to say on Instagram. She said this, the Eros conference by Dear Young Married Couples surpassed my hopes this weekend. And my hopes were high because I love those guys. We love you too, Whitney. We love you. She said, Adam and Krista packed every single second of the conference with information, resources, encouragement, and even some beautiful godly conviction. The way they combined scripture with science and research was flawless. My husband and I both started crying at the first exercise. She goes on to say, in this season, we need strong, healthy, flourishing marriages more than ever. Marriages that reflect Christ in the church. Marriages that lead to sanctification. Marriages that are passionate and fun. I mean, we discussed some pretty spicy things that were in Song of Solomon. So it's safe to say that God is not wanting anyone to have a boring marriage. We love that, Whitney. Guys, we want to give you those tools, insights to help you navigate this tricky subject and help you assess where you are now and empower you as a couple to get to where God is calling you in your marriage, your sex life, and your calling. Yes, come join us, guys. The Gulf Coast in Biloxi, Mississippi, June 21st and 22nd. You can even just make it a getaway for the two of you. Um, you could fly into New Orleans, take a beautiful coastal drive over to Biloxi. Uh, it's only like an hour and a half. And then just set your marriage up for success. Go register now at dearyoungmarriedcouple.com slash eros, or just hit the link in the show notes. We'll see you there. And I, I get pushback on this, and I love it because it allows me to talk about it. But we're not talking if the father loves the children. Right. We're talking that the father can't fulfill the biblical roles of fatherhood when he's not in the home. Mm. That's a hard reality for men who, who want to try and fix things, have to come to grips with. So first of all, the church has to deal with this issue with believers or unbelievers who come to church is children. They have to start advocating for their children and not pushing them aside. Because yeah. then the children, every father's child believes it's their fault. That's part of the wound. Mm -hmm. So now they're saying the pastor doesn't talk about it. My parents don't talk about it. Nobody talks about it. So what's wrong with me? What did I do? What's wrong with me? And it's it just, it's so destructive. That That's a big issue. Second issue is they don't really know how to talk about the issue. Because in order to talk about this, you have to talk about hard issues, mm -hmm. hard yeah. issues. Yep. Mm -hmm. and, then, and you're highlighting mistakes yeah. and decisions made by parents right. and failures, right? And, and people are uncomfortable with highlighting that. And so they'd rather right. just pretend that there's no wound. Right. And it just hurts the children. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and I was one of them. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, so parents are, well, what do I do? I said, First of all, you should tell them you're sorry. 
you should apologize to your children who got divorced. Frankly, I tell men all the time, they should never leave the home. Yeah. They should never leave the home. Mm -hmm. Well, my wife wants a divorce. She asked me to leave. I don't care. Don't leave the home. Well, why do you leave the home, men? Why? If she wants divorce, let her leave. Don't, don't fall into the trap that you can somehow co-parent and fatherhood your children from a distance. It's a lie. Mm -hmm. And then there's remarriages and all kinds of things. Secondly, churches have to realize that the average fatherless boy, fatherless ch child gets abandoned seven times before they're 18. So I, I know we want to make perfect families with step parents, but, but listen to me. This is not me. This is the stats. There's an over 75% chance of divorce in second marriages with children. Hmm. Over 75% yeah. rate. Wow. Because it's complex. There's hurt. You haven't dealt the whole issue. Why you got divorced in the first place? Yeah, crazy talk. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, but if you were going to get on a plane that had the seventy-five percent chance of crashing, would you do it? No, <laughs> because you're just adding to the wounds of your children. Yeah. Here's another abandonment wound. You have live-in boyfriends that they call dad as a as a, a young child. I mean, it's just completely destructive. Mm. So the pastor has to start speaking up to say divorce is a direct assault against God's plan. Mm. And there's always consequences divorce. Mm. And always, if not, we're calling God a liar. He's the one who designed it. He's the one who ordained it. We're, men are supposed to protect it at all costs. Men, why are you getting a divorce? Well, she had an affair. Okay. You know, if you walk out of the house, that, that you will destroy your children. I mean, yeah. I tell my wife all the time, I don't care if you have a 10,000 affairs, I'm not leaving. Because mm -hmm. my children's well-being is more important than my feelings and my need for sex or whatever, or love. Mm -hmm. it, it's just, we have to put things in perspective. And the other uh, thing is these churches are going woke. They're, they're telling men that marriage is a 50-50 proposition. I believe as you read the Bible, that's a lie. Yeah. I believe it's 110% on the man's shoulders. Mm. Everywhere from picking the future mother of his children. The man was given the responsibility. The woman is the helpmate. Yeah. That's just the way it is. Praise God. Again, mm -hmm. this has nothing to do with love. Love, God loves both men and women exactly the same. Yeah. But he's the one to design this, and he's the one that gets to call the shots. He designed the roles. And when that's at conflict, marriages is a rough go. Yeah. We're mm -hmm. complement each other. That's good. Yeah. Against well, each other. It's interesting you bring up the the man's role, you know, and the weight being on the man in the marriage. Yeah. We've addressed this in our marriage retreats, and we often, when we're talking about how to resolve conflict, will often, you know, put a challenge out to the men and say, hey, you're supposed to serve your wife and lead your wife as Christ led the church. Christ didn't wait for the church to love him first or to ask for forgiveness first or to, you know, seek him out first. He died for them. He sacrificed for them first. Amen. Amen. No, it's, a, it's a picture of what's supposed to be followed. Right. Now, you know, listen, I understand we live in a broken, sinful world. Stuff happens, yeah. but let's not bury it. Let's not pretend it didn't break the cup. Let's not pretend it didn't break the souls of children. Yeah, They need you to look at them and say, it is not your fault. 
It is yeah. mine. Please forgive me. Yeah. Obviously, God's a God's of restoration and, and redemption and all those things. But when we as believers pretend that there's not a consequence when God's design is broken, we're part of the problem, not part of the solution. Yes. <laughs> so, yep. Again, we just have to put it in context. This is the man's battle to give up responsibility and to blame. Yep. Right? Yeah. He did protect Eve, said, no, do not eat that fruit. Yeah. Eve sinned when she did, but yeah. she's not the one that casted the world into a fallen state. It was Adam because of his headship role and his roles and God's promise and covenant to him. You're preaching. Yeah. So let, let's not make it goes. It's pre-fall in the garden where it's all was established. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. The woman is e more easily deceived. I don't know why God probably because she's higher on the emotion side. Mm -hmm. and, and that's, that's great. That's what we need. We need female nurturing, men's masculinity to grow a healthy child. Amen. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and listen, masculinity is a gift to the world. Masculinity is a gift to women. Masculinity yeah. is a gift to children. Masculinity is a gift to the community, to our nation. Yeah. Stop the lies. Men, you are born for a glorious, special, ordained purpose. Live up to that. Don't be defeated. You'll never be perfect. Don't let the shame get in the way of your redemptive life. Mm -hmm. You can be the man God intended you to be. Yes. Listen, and we're in a second generation of this brokenness. The tsunami's on its way. We're over 50%. The inner city 75. Suburbia is 40. Oh, as a nation, we're over 50%. The nation cannot survive without the family. Yes. Make no mistake about it. Yes, And, I, you know, I get on a roll, as, as I told you earlier, I get on a roll that we have got to come to grips with this. Because if we want to know what our nation is going to look like, look at the inner city. We have a delta of less than 25 points to go. Mm -hmm. if we do not reverse this. We know. So this yeah. gen second generation of this father tsunami is on its way. We have generation of passive men, mm -hmm. effeminate men homosexual men. It's all because of the breakdown of the family and God's roles for men. Mm -hmm. Boys are being raised by mom only, aunts, grandmas. They go to school. It's women everywhere. They're learning and being overly feminized, overly feminine because men are not involved. Mm. Right. Men need to own this, take responsibility, repent, and stand back into the headship role and take responsibility. Love yes. that. I, I would love to hear your definition of of masculinity because that's under a huge attack by society right now of you know the toxic masculinity and don't mansplain me and you know all, all the stuff yeah. that we hear that that shame men for being men. Like talking to a maybe talking to a young boy or even a teenager that's trying to find himself of like, what does this mean when I do have women surrounding me? How, what does a masculine, like a healthy masculine look like? Right. Yeah. Well, that's part of the wonderfuls of fathers in the field when we mentor. They get to get a glimpse of a family, they get a glimpse of a godly man. You know what I mean? Not a perfect mm -hmm. man, a godly man. Yeah. So listen, I thought the same things. I, I was starving for male 
interaction. I mean, I gravitated towards sports so I can have male coaches and tough mm. guys learn something. I'm not saying it's the best example, but it was the only example. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and thankfully I learned some things, you know, work ethic and, you know, take responsibility and discipline sure. and all those things. Uh, I didn't learn about God, unfortunately, but I mean, so I, I think every godly man needs to start, first of all, recognize men and women are different. Don't believe the lies of the world. Understand man has the headship roles. The headship roles are simple. I've said it a zillion times. And I say all the time, masculinity is simple to define. If you keep it within the biblical context, yeah. pastor, provider, protector. Hmm. Very simple. Provider, protector. Those Ooh. are the masculine roles. Yeah. Those are the masculine roles. And providing is not just about money. Providing is about providing a safe environment home, hmm. right? A secure yes. environment home to learn about God and learn to learn about life. You know, um, pastoring is the Deuteronomy 6 model, right? Mm -hmm. You share, you lead your family towards Christ. Yeah. It, you know, it, it's really not hard. We try to complicate it. And, and we, try to, we try to fight the fight on their terms. Hmm. Their terms is ridiculous. Their <laughs> terms are hell. Their terms are evil beyond evil. Mm -hmm. You can't find some good in that. You have to start back in Genesis yeah. and just say, I have no idea what you said, but God said men's roles are this. Mm -hmm. That's what masculinity is. So right? simple. I love that. It, it Pastor, really provider, and protector. We just go straight to the yeah. word. Right, yeah. straight to the word. That's what it is. I mean, I, I don't know how else to define it because then I would be promoting man's opinion. Right. Which gets us in trouble. You know what I mean? So, yeah. It, yeah. Listen, and what undergirds man's roles, masculinity, is our most masculine example that men have. Christ Jesus. That's right. Mm. He's called a warrior. He's called a lover, a comforter, mm. teacher. Yep. Listen, the example is we're supposed to love our wife like Christ loved the church. That's our example. And that is sacrificially. Mm -hmm. We are to die to ourselves and for them. Yeah. Mm. Your hobbies don't come first. Your desires don't come first. They come last, mm -hmm. even if you get to them at all. That's so, so good. If an intruder came in the home, would not every godly man, I would hope, stand in front and take a bullet and die to protect them? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, if that's the truth, why, why would you get divorced because you're getting no sex? Why would you get a divorce because you married a mean woman? Why wouldn't you sacrifice for the well-being of your children? Mm -hmm. And all you can control men and women is to fulfill your roles, right? Mm -hmm. So again, I say this again, men, it all starts with choosing wisely, discerning the future mother of your children. That is your responsibility. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to be the pastor of your children, protector by picking a good woman, all that. 
Did you know that 65% of all Christian men have been addicted to porn and 75% of millennial Christian men have been addicted to porn? Recovery is so much more than just not looking at porn. Most men look at porn because they have emotional blind spots from their past that haven't been addressed yet. And from my experience, it's nearly impossible to never look at porn again until these blind spots are acknowledged and your pain is witnessed. That's why I decided to launch a small porn recovery focus group for men starting next week, February 20th. We'll meet weekly via Zoom to discuss challenges, victories, practical ways to overcome porn. I actually ran this group twice last year and the guys had so many victories. It really was incredible. I really believe in the power of community and I hope to help as many guys as possible with this. So hit the link in the show notes for an application and for more information. And if you're listening to this after the February 20th deadline, you can go and fill out the form. We'll contact you when the next group runs. Really looking forward to meeting you guys. Let's do this together. That's what you're supposed to do. It is not hard. We, we Men want to want to get rid of not take responsibility it all starts on our shoulders Mm. and that's what we have to do i think i was reading the the bible yesterday um that's good yeah (laughs) i was trying to think of the verse but i think the verse says that husbands are supposed to love their wives like their own body Mm. and I, i think there's an inherent selfishness with men right that that that's the thing that we have to get over because we'd right. rather just oh you know i'm gonna take the easy way out do my thing i'd rather go play golf and hunt rather than you know be at home and yeah. i'm not saying that's bad because i love golfing and hunting sure. but it has to be done in balance yeah. and making sure that you're still being like you said pastor provider and protector yeah, yeah. And you can be a pastor when you take your kids hunting with you. Sure. Right. You can be a pastor when you take your kids golfing with you. Yep. The selfishness that gets us in trouble. Yeah. yeah. That's really good. Yeah. So, so those things the, aren't inherently bad. Take your kids, take your wife with you. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, so this is so good because I'm, I'm connecting it full circle. We know the stats uh, and you probably could tell them uh, to us specifically. But, um, you know, the, the mental illness, violence, um, all these things that we want to eliminate and or at least reduce in society, it all comes down to the common denominator is fatherlessness by far yeah. and large. And when we think about father as provider, protector, pastor, if you're not getting those things in your life as a 14-year-old kid obviously you're going to lean toward all of these, you know, ailments, whether it's mental illness, violence, et cetera. Talk a little bit about those stats and maybe what you, because this is a light bulb, I think for a lot of people, what you share about those stats. Yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, big picture, 85% of children rebel, flee from the situation. Yeah. That's why you see the bitterness, anger, destruction, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're mm-hmm. the ones causing the openly chaotic situation. Yeah. Mm. Or they've given up and they've committed suicide and 
you know, all these drugs and addictions and pornography mm -hmm. and that, those are all drugs and all coping mechanisms trying to help prevent the, the, the effects of that trauma mm -hmm. in your soul. Yep. Yep. And your, your worthlessness and your value. Think about it. Your hero threw you away. Wow. Mm. The father-son relationship is the foundation of the world. We're a picture, a mirrored picture of it. When it's mm. broken, it's devastating. We cannot forget that. Wow. And then, I mean, you look at rapists, you look at criminal activities, you know, 90% of men in prison are fatherless. You know, the other 15% the other was what my sister took the rebelling part, runaway, men, mm. drugs, that, chaos. Yeah. Mm. I, I took the perfectionist route because I wanted to fight for my father's return and affection. Mm -hmm. So I became the perfectionist, the overachiever, or what I thought was a perfectionist. That's a lie. But, what, you know, I, I, I decided I wanted to fight for my father's affection and love and to mm -hmm. fill that hole through accomplishment. And, and that doesn't work either. But you see ultra successful men, Lance Armstrong, Barack Obama, you name it, that high achievers. I'm not saying they're good, but high achievers. Sure. Um, they, they, they're, they're constantly over striving. That's why mm -hmm. they, yeah. and at all cost. Yeah. And, yeah. and I was the same way. And so, but what we end up doing, we end up divorcing our wives because of her self and our ambition and our goals, personal goals above the mm. ones abandoning our children instead of necessarily out of wedlock, we, we do it through divorce. Mm. And yeah. so, you know, it's crazy. If you think, 70, uh, this is anecdotal, but just kind of extrapolating numbers. We hear a lot, and rightfully so, about 22 uh, soldiers killing themselves daily. Right. Listen to this. Listen to this. We have 25 million followers, children, and it's growing every year. We have a new million every year to those roles. Mm -hmm. And then we have a million uh, graduating to adulthood that's never dealt with this. Mm. So this is a big issue. Seven thousand fatherless children attempt suicide daily oh. seven thousand mm. daily wow cry for help man that's it's interesting that you contrasted that with the stat we always hear about soldiers because that's a big deal that 22 soldiers oh, yeah, a day sure. are committing suicide any any suicide is awful yeah. But why aren't we hearing about seven thousand fatherless children attempting suicide I every day that too yeah, because, yeah. because we as people, as believers even, have to take responsibility. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, suicide, well, you know, those bad guys did it. Um, they're out there fighting evil. And, you know, that, that third party that are faceless, those bad guys caused yeah. that wound, caused that wound in those soldiers. And we can acknowledge that because, of it's course, we want party. to highlight the bad party. guy. Yeah, yeah. But we're the bad guys. Yeah. We're, we're telling boys they have no value, that there should be women. They should act like women. You know, we're cutting off genitalia. We're giving drugs, sterilizing. You know, churches are partaking in this and having women pastors or telling men and women the same if marriage is 50-50, that roles are the same. No, no. You know, we're, yeah. we, we brut the society brutalized women when they'd be a mom, when that's the most important position God ever made. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, everything's upside down, just like the devil wants it. 
believers better stand up and say, no, yes. no, no. That's right. Yes. No. So, so say that there's a, a young, a young man or even a middle-aged man or old man for that matter, that spots themselves in what you're saying and saying, I'm dealing with this stuff. Maybe I've never addressed it. What direction could you point them? And, and is it just like a, okay, fine, I forgive them. Or, or what does this look like to go through a process to, to deal with this? Great question. Well, first of all, you have to distinguish between believers and unbelievers, right? Mm -hmm. so Talking to believers. No way, in my opinion, you can heal from this without the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. It's a devastating soul wound. It's a devastating soul wound. Yeah. So Christ has to intervene or we, we see what happens. Mm -hmm. um, that's why the devil goes after men so hard mm -hmm. um, and children and family. Um, but so we're talking to believers. First of all, the, the, the book is written, Man and Forgive. Even the title is saying you have to confront truth as a man. Mm -hmm. The first thing you have to do is there is always a consequence when the marriage cup is broken. Yeah. Always. So you have to believe that. You have to know that's to be true or we're calling God a liar. And we point that out in the book. So first of all, you do have a wound. We can argue the depth of it depending on each individual circumstances, but sure. there, is a, there is a wound. Secondly, it's a sin, what happened. Your parents created a great sin mm -hmm. by divorce or having you out of wedlock. They created a great sin. Sins have consequences. Mm -hmm. So the first thing you have to understand that it's sin. And sin, the only way sin is dealt with is through what? Repentance. Right. That's the only way sin is dealt with. God takes sin so seriously that Adam committed one sin and threw the whole world into a fallen, wretched state. Yeah. Mm. Let's never underestimate God's seriousness on sin. Yeah. And don't Second, downplay the yeah. status of the wound. I love that because a lot of people will minimize like, oh, my situation wasn't that bad because at least I still had my dad in my yeah, life. I hear at yeah. least all the I time. I had weekends. I had some time. He did, he did the best he could. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't his fault. You know, we're all sinners. I mean, I, you hear it all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And all that's true. But it doesn't change the fact that there's a wound because God's plan is broken. Yes. So we first thing is dealing with reality. Mm -hmm. to, when you don't deal with reality, it means you have, you're not ready to deal with the wound. Mm -hmm. That's just pure and simple. So... And most of this is a defense mechanism because they don't want to pick the scab. Mm -hmm. And what we're trying to do in Man and Forgive is heal the wound, mm -hmm. pick the scab, so it becomes a scar. Yeah. That's we're good. not trying to say that that wound never existed and you'll forget about it forever. No, every Christian is going to go through this world with a lot of scars. Yeah. That's good. What a Christian shouldn't go through the world with is a festering wound. Oh, so good. Yeah. Because a festering wound means you haven't forgiven. Mm -hmm. You haven't forgiven. So I ask men all the time, have you forgiven your dad? It's a simple yes, no question. If they pause, they hymn, they haul, they say, well, I've gotten over it. I've moved on. He's done the best he could. <laughs> you name it. Yep. My dad didn't have a dad. You name it. Then I say, well, obviously you haven't. 
Mm. See, they, they don't. So you have to really, you have to beat it into them because men are stubborn that <laughs> that it is a sin. Yep. That there is a wound. Anytime there's sin, there's a wound. Yeah. And every sin needs to be forgiven. And this is where I need to bring in. We're not talking about reconciliation. Mm -hmm. address, that's a whole other book that needs to be written. Churches don't do a very good job on this either. There's a, when we talk about forgiveness, everyone thinks about reconciliation. Right. Not They're not the about, same. Yep. Yeah. We're not saying you have to have a relationship with your abuser, your bad guy, your bad dad, your bad mom, whatever. We're not saying mm -hmm. that. Right. We are saying you have, you're commanded to forgive. Mm -hmm. Well, you don't understand how bad X and X. You're right. I don't. John doesn't. But Christ did. And he's the one that gave the command. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So forgiveness is a command and it's disobedient. It is sin not to, not to forgive. And so here's the deal for believers. So what is the consequence for believers when they don't forgive? Hmm. There's a consequence because yeah. it's a sin. Hmm. It means you have broken fellowship with the heavenly father. Hmm. That's good. What are the consequences of broken fellowship with the heavenly father? Well, you grieve the Holy spirit. You're basically on injured reserve because God has placed you aside because your fellowship is broken. He's probably not even listening to your prayers, he says. Think about that. Wow. Yeah. Think about that. Mm -hmm. Basically, you're on, you're on the sidelines in this kingdom battle. Hmm. God calls it a useless Christian. Hmm. Yep. Ouch. Yeah. Not a valueless Christian. Again, hear my words well. A useless Christian. Yes. Because you're not in a kingdom battle. He can't put you in. Wow. You're you're on the injured reserve. He can't put you in the game. Yeah. So yeah. listen, healthy men are at the gate. Healthy women are at the gate. The barbarians are at the gate in this country. Make no mistake about it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Healthy people are doing the best they can. They need all these others to be healed taken off injured reserve and help us charge the gate. Amen. Wow. I love that you highlight. Uh, yeah. I love that you highlight forgiveness as the way path. to heal. Yeah. The path for healing from yeah. the wounds of fatherlessness. Yeah. And you, you detail this in your book. Tell us about your book and where to find it. Yeah. It's, it's available on man enough to forgive.com mm -hmm. man enough to forgive.com. You can also find it through Fathers in the Field, and it takes you there. Okay. Um, and the, and it's a it's an individual book, or it can be used in a, a, a men's workbook study. There's an a, there's an accompanying workbook that you can get. That's a four part year long men's study, and it takes time to digest these concepts and heal, mm -hmm. pray, and ask for the Holy Spirit's help in this forgiveness journey. Yeah. And uh, you know we talk about the need to write a forgiveness letter. Yes. So um, those are powerful. Yeah. Powerful. It makes it real. Yeah. Mm. It makes it real. You, you can't, you can't, I get asked all the time, well, how do I know I've forgiven my dad? Cause I hear, Oh yeah, I have. Well, the husband says, or the wife says, you're, you're still a workaholic. You're still an alcoholic. You still look at pornography. So you're still trying to cover your wounds. So obviously you, you haven't forgiven. Mm -hmm. God's word is clear. He'll heal you. Mm -hmm. He will heal you or whatever your issue is. Mm -hmm. We all have stuff to heal from. 
We can't live in the fast. God, God wants us to look forward. Okay. Yeah. We're looking forward to him, our sanctification process and glory. So good. Okay? we're God's child now. Hmm. Okay. And then secondly is you'll write a forgiveness letter. You'll put it in writing because you're declaring the truth for all to know. There's no misinterpretation. There's no equivocation. You, you don't care who knows. You're not embarrassed or ashamed of it anymore because frankly, we're all orphans and we all need to be adopted by a heavenly father. Right. It's true. Some just had an easier path than others, mm -hmm. but in the end, we're all need to be adopted. So good. Not weird. Father's boy or father's daughter anymore. Cause we're all in the same boat. We all yeah. need to be. I'm such a, yeah. uh, advocate for writing. I, I tell people, you know, the Bible says to take into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. I said, well, how do you do that? Yeah. You know, I feel like, you know, God did a pretty good job at taking his word captive and letting us read it Amen. So, <laughs> or his thoughts captive. So I tell, you know, if it was good enough for him, you might as well do a little bit of it yeah. and take, take those thoughts captive so you can look at it mm -hmm. and look at the truth of, of what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Um, I've done it for myself many times, just trying to process things. And I've seen men go through the same process. It's incredible to see the difference yeah. and change in, in two, maybe writing over a period of time of mm -hmm. reflecting of what God's doing in them as God does that work. Yeah. It's incredible. It really is incredible. Yeah. There, there, there's no, there's no hiding from it anymore. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? You're, you're declaring it just like God declared right. the 10 commandments and it says he wrote it with his right hand. Yes. Yeah. Wrote the 10 commandments. Declare it. Mm -hmm. That's declare so good. It. Declaring. Yeah. And then, the second way we know we've forgiven mm -hmm. our abuser, our abandoner, our greatest enemy is how we pray for them. Mm. We pray for their salvation. We want our enemy to be transformed, receive the grace of God and the mercy we received and to spend forever in heaven. Yeah. If you forgive and you do it. Mm. That's good. But those are the two things, writing a letter and praying for him. If you're not doing that, it's hocus pocus. You're fooling yourself. You're on injured reserve. You're a useless Christian on the sidelines. <laughs> and I'm trying to wake men up, yeah. speak hard truth to them in many different ways so it sinks through our dense skull and say, listen, <laughs> you can be the man God intended you to be. Yeah. There's victory and restoration through Christ on the cross. Yes. Don't believe the lies. We all have a past. Mm -hmm. I can't believe God uses me in ministry knowing my horrible past. Yeah. But I'm not ashamed anymore. That's right. It celebrates my need for a savior. It gives him all the glory to use a wretched, right. rotten man to proclaim his truth. Wow. That yeah. is a strong man. That we said, I don't care what you call me, I'm a child of God's, and I'm going to do his will, follow his obedient word, mm. and do it. Yeah. You can call me any name in your, book, in your book. Because the reality is, once you're saved and you're healed, no matter what name someone calls you, they're right. Mm. They're right. That's why we need a savior. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I'm a liar. If we break one commandments, we break them all. I'm a liar, an adulterer at heart. I, I'm all these things. 
So why are we afraid of what somebody calls us? Right. They're right. Yeah. We're hypocrites. We sin every day, even though we, we are saved. That's really it's good. It's a wild thing to think about. We try to, so, you know, godly masculinity is not a puffed up fake veneer. It's a transparent reliance on Christ and all of our strength that we get to purport to the world now is all because of Christ. Yes. So good. Man, John, thank you so much for sharing this wisdom and your passion. And hopefully some men that are listening to this were woken up <laughs> by your word and they get they, they really do take this challenge because I hear this as a challenge mm -hmm. of go read the book. Yes. Um, We're going to link that in the show notes, yeah. by the way, man enough to forgive, go get the book and do the, do work. the work. Yeah. So yeah, I, I call it a masculine challenge in the, in the book. Okay. I love yeah, that. It's a masculine challenge because men, women need you. Our nation needs you. Your church needs you. Mm -hmm. God created you for this time and this purpose, no matter your past, there is healing and victory in Christ. I'm telling you. So good. So the question we ask everybody at the end of our episodes is what do you wish, what advice do you wish you would have received at the beginning of your marriage? And then fill in the blank, dear young married couple. Yeah. Well, crazy. I mean, I, I got married an unbeliever, but praise God, we've been married 32 years all by the glory of God. That's so amazing. On the road that leads to divorce. And if God didn't save me, I have no doubt I would have continued to put myself first. Yeah. And so praise God. He saved me when he did. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, what comes to my mind is our great forefathers in the faith, when they were martyred for their faith as men, because they refused to recant the truth of God. Hmm. And I forget his name. I want to say it's past John something, but he was a forefather in the faith and he would not renounce his faith to the Catholic church. Hmm. And they burned him at the stake was his penalty. And he was walking out of the castle prison and his wife and his children, nine children. She was pregnant again. And all their family and friends celebrated it. Wow. Because of his masculine spirit to stand up for the truth. And he knew they treated it as a wedding because he was going home. Wow. This is not our home. Mm -hmm. We need to stand up for our king, our God, our savior with a strong voice for his truth. Yeah. That is our call as being the pastor, provider, and protector. Let us not forget that, men. You were born for glorious purpose. I hope that somebody would have told me at the beginning of marriage, play the man. Hmm. Be the man. Mm -hmm. That's what your family, your wife, your children desperately need. Hmm. So good. So wise. Beautiful. Thank you so much for your time and your passion yeah, and, and the spirit that you give this in. Yes. Thank you, John. This is so valuable. And we know that it's already impacting so many people. And we're grateful that you've been able to speak to the people listening today. Well, thank you for your ministry. Thank you for hearing the truth. And God bless you guys. You need more connection in your marriage. So we created a free download for you called the top three ways to connect. We created this after working with literally thousands of people just like you who said, 
I really crave a deeper and more meaningful bond with my spouse. You can get this recipe for connection by following the link below. Also, if you want some more personalized help or counseling, just shoot us a text, 916-678-1797. You can also go to our website, dearyoungmarriedcouple.com for more info. We'll see you next week.